Joan Hogan, and I'd like to welcome all of you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Homer, Prairie Doc, is having a bit of a vacation with his wife there in California, hopefully enjoying sunshine. But while he's gone, I'm so happy to welcome Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group, working to our program. Good morning, Joan. Good morning, and I'm so glad you brought a student with you. I did. Uh, I've got uh, Tori with me. She's in her fourth year of medical school and uh, her fourth week with me. So this is our last week. Oh, well, it's nice she was able to make it to the show. Dr. Holm always liked bringing guests here, especially med student guests, and it's just great to have you here. Tori, you're at USD, I would guess. Yes, I'm in my fourth year and I graduate this May. I'm going into pathology. Wow, so you're going to deal with dead people all the time? Well, we do do autopsies, but we do a lot of stuff under the microscope as well. So that's just one part of it. Oh, you know, when people hear pathology, when you're not in medicine as I am not, you just think you're just, you know, dealing with people after they've died. But there's a lot more to it, huh? Yeah, a lot more to it. That's just one subspecialty. Okay. You, you know, Joan, anytime we're taking off, uh, you know, doing a biopsy of, of someone's skin, and uh, we're going to send it off and have them look under a microscope. That's what they're doing. The pathologist. The pathologist is oh, looking at it. All right. So you found that. Did, is it something you were always interested in? So I didn't actually know pathology existed till I started med school. And then once I got more exposure to it, I really enjoyed it. I like visual things. And looking under the microscope and coming up with the diagnosis is kind of like doing a puzzle for me. Ah, that sounds interesting. Sounds like an internist in another way. You know, you internists bet. always you like bet. to figure out what is really wrong in pathology. Very helpful for us to, to know, to look, have it, to have this, you know, diagnosis from, from looking at it, what it looks like. Although, to be clear, it's not always 100% black and white what things are under the microscope either, right? Or what do you think? Correct. Sometimes... You know, it looks pretty obvious. You can make a diagnosis right away. Other times you might have to bring it across the hall to your colleague and kind of get their opinion and make the best call you can. And that best call isn't always accurate, which is why we have Dr. Andrew to deal with the ah. patients, right? <laughs> You're there. and, and It's I know the art of medicine. The art of medicine. There's a lot involved in the art of medicine. Speaking of the art of medicine, tomorrow night, Dr. Holm is still on vacation, of course, tomorrow night. And I'm very happy to know that on his TV program, his guest host is going to be Kelly Evans-Hullinger, who is a regular on this program. We really enjoy having Dr. Evans-Hullinger with us, and she's going to be talking about what is growing on my skin, or in other words, everything having to do with dermatology, right? You got it. Yeah. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit about dermatology, or if you have questions about pathology, it'd be an interesting topic as well. We're going to take our first break, and after this or during this break. We hope you'll give us a call. We'd love to hear your questions, and we will be back right after these words. Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500.
Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm so happy to have you listening today. Dr. Holm is on vacation, and in his absence, I have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, who is a medical doctor with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, and he's brought with him a med student who's in her last year of med school. She'll graduate this spring, uh, Tori Graham. I had to stop and think for a second. Yes. Yes, Tori happy Graham. to be here. Good. So, Tori, just since you're here, maybe explain the process of, of how long is college and then medical school and then residency or what are you looking at ahead next? Yes, so I did four years of undergrad and then right away went into med school, finishing up my fourth year right now and then I will be starting a residency program in pathology this summer. That is a total of four years, so we're still training but we are considered doctors and we do get paid at that time. And then after the four years of residency, we do a year or two of fellowship meaning we subspecialize within pathology. So I could do forensic pathology and deal more with the autopsies, or I could choose something that um, you're looking more under the microscope, GI, dermatology, stuff like that. Okay. Or cancer, all, all the above, I suppose. Yeah, all the above. When you think about it, you left high school and you'd have 14 years of education <laughs> before you really set to be a full-time pathologist, right? Yes, that's you have to love school. That's <laughs> quite a commitment, or love the field you've gone into. Exactly. I think most people that go into medicine realize it's not an easy road. It's something, but it really excites them, and I think they usually have some altruism, too. They want to help people. Got it. All right. Well, you know, I mentioned that uh, Kelly Evans is going to be on the TV program tomorrow night. That's South Dakota Public Television, 7 o'clock Thursday night. And she did Dr. Holmes' essay this week in the new, that appeared in the Brookings Register and about 70 other newspapers around the area. And she talked about sunscreen because she's going to talk about your skin and how to keep your skin healthy tomorrow night on the program. But something in that caught my eye. Since we don't have a question yet, I'm going to throw in my question. She talked about sunscreens, and they can be either physical or chemical. And the physical, she said, like zinc oxide, and the chemical like uh, SPF 30 or 40 or 50. Yeah. What, what makes zinc oxide physical and the other one chemical? I don't, so zinc oxide sounds like a chemical to me. It must not be. But, but it's creating a physical barrier between the sun and your skin. Oh. And so zinc oxide actually is the same thing. It's usually that white pasty stuff that you might think of uh, that you use for babies, babies for diaper right. rash and to help protect their skin so from getting diaper rash. So it's getting a layer from anything coming <clears throat> in. Okay. Yeah, so w for babies, it's protecting their skin from that wet diaper and uh, cause it causing a rash and protecting the skin. And then it's also creating that white look to help protect that barrier to protect your skin from the sun and the damage from the sun, as opposed to the, the chemicals and various other um, sunscreens. Okay, she mentioned too, using sunscreen almost year round, or at least if you're outside. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, sometimes people talk about a wind burn or something. Well, that's actually a, a, a sunburn. You know, it, the, the issue there or in the, in the, in the winter if you're ice fishing or, or out uh, skiing or something, people can still get sunburned because of the reflection off the snow and it's still, the, sun's so the still sun's still shining. shining. Yeah, right. right, okay. And meanwhile, our skin, you know, might not be, we might not be used to it or might not be thinking of it, so then we didn't use any sunscreen or, or anything. And, you know, unfortunately, skin cancers are really on the rise, um, maybe in part because people are tanning and uh, want to be in the sun more or whatever. Um, there's a lot of factors. And so uh, 
it's a great way here to uh, promote awareness that, you know, it is still a good idea to wear sunscreen and protect yourself from the sun. Because I see skin cancers every single day. You do. Wow. They're still prevalent. Okay. And you say they're becoming even more prevalent. Yeah. I know when we're down in Florida, uh, you'll see, especially men, with maybe half an ear lobe missing. And they have been out fishing or on boats, and they don't realize. They might have put sunscreen on their face. They never covered their ears, and they really lose not a good, you know, it just doesn't look pretty. (laughs) It's tough. Yeah, you know, sometimes if if you notice a little spot on your ear or your forehead or anywhere that's just a little flaky or something, that might be an early skin cancer that sometimes we can even just treat really easily by freezing it or killing that top layer of skin a little bit, and and then it's fine. But the longer you let it go, the harder it is to deal with until it can grow a little bit bigger and bigger without actually looking that big but underneath or inside it might be bigger. And so when they actually take it all off, you end up losing part of your ear or part of your nose. So so at the the earliest sign of any of those little flaky things, you pick at it and it grows back again, that could be a clue that it could be an actinic keratosis or uh, an early squamous cell cancer, an early basal cell cancer. The nice thing, these aren't the kind that we think of that will go through the body like uh you know metastasize through the body um typically but but we'll still want to get it taken care of so it doesn't get bigger right and you know dr holm often often mentioned when he's been on the program that your skin is your body's largest organ that is i've never really questioned him it just sounds ridiculous how can a skin be like a heart or a lung i don't why is a skin why is our skin an organ how is i don't well it's a type of tissue that's create that's serving a purpose for the body and here it's protecting your body from all sorts of infections and bacteria and helping to keep moisture in and helping to keep moisture and whatever else out too um and uh it's it it's it just that's the way it's, it's, it's so a, we think of it as an organ, organ. yeah yep it's hard and it's always growing and changing well that's right and organs do change yep their cells are yep making new ones and and other ones are falling off okay well we have we have we've asked for your calls and we really appreciate when you do call and we had one just come in um and a caller asked us to talk about pleurisy this is not having to do with dermatology but as we said we're open to any medical questions you may have this caller would like you to talk about pleurisy and how it compares to pneumonia and bronchitis Interesting. I think of uh, you know so pleurisy is is basically an, an inflammation, irritation in the lining of the lungs, um, oftentimes because of uh, a recent infection, whether it be a recent cold or even bron- you know bronchitis or or uh, or uh, you know some other respiratory infection. Um, so bronchitis would be the infection, and then pleurisy follows it would that be it uh yeah it, w- it certainly doesn't have to but let's say you get a cold you right. know and so if 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 the lining in the pleural cavity in your lung cavity gets irritated or inflamed you can get pleurisy and sometimes that's painful um and sometimes that can kind of cause a cough too or irritation or pain um whereas you can get pneumonia if there's a spot in the lung that gets infected um, bronchitis is inflammation 
in the bronchioles, some of the tubes uh, in your in your lungs. And uh, and so, to, you know, sometimes we'll treat, you know, people come in and they got bronchitis because they've been coughing up and they're coughing up stuff and they keep coughing. Sometimes it's an irritation more than even hardly an infection. And so, um, or in, in most of the time it's caused from a virus. So a lot of times antibiotics aren't all that helpful for, for actual bronchitis. Sometimes we'll do a steroid to help calm things down. Uh, sometimes an inhaler can kind of help. Um, time is also right. your friend and cough medicines and, and everything. But, but sometimes we worry about could, could there be a pneumonia developing because you know, of you know, and with bronchitis going on too, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they 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 all can inter interlap, and inter, you know, in, they're interconnected sometimes because there's something been going on. Well, that's interesting. So all of them affect your lung, and they're just in different ways. And Tori's a lot closer to medical school than I am. So if so if you've got <laughs> if you've <laughs> got something that, that you that, would add to that, you I just like to, to think of it as any part of your body can be inflamed. And this is just different areas of the lung, whether it be just inflamed or with an infection as well. And like Dr. Ellsworth said, you can have them together, you can have them apart. They are all related. Okay. Whereas the pleurisy is more the lining of the lung cavity getting inflamed, and the bronchitis is more the bronchioles, Bronchial the tube. tubes getting inflamed. So and the pneumonia, you said, can just be an area an of area. infection. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I hope that helped her. Yeah. It made it clear to me, and I hope it did to her as well. Well, we appreciate your calls. If there's any more, just give us a call at 692-1430. We're going to take our second break, and we will return right after these words. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here, and in the studio with me is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth. Dr. Holm is on vacation, enjoying himself. Somewhere sunny, we trust. And uh, Dr. Ellsworth also brought a medical student with him. We welcome Tori Graham to the program as well. You know, earlier you were talking about the different problems that you can have with skin cancers, and it's basal cell or squamous cell, but yeah. what about melanoma? And then that's, melanoma would that's be- That's the ugly one, isn't right, it? Right, the ugly one, the one that can spread throughout the body. Um, Generally, we, we think of that as, as those maybe a, a, a really dark and irregular looking skin lesion. Um, you know, so if you've got a mole that's really growing or changing or dark and irregular. Now, there's all sorts of types of moles, and many of them, thankfully, are, are benign and not cancer. And there's other we call seborrheic keratoses, which are some of those age spots or wisdom spots that that come as you as you gain wisdom with I time. I like the term wisdom <laughs> spot rather than age spot. And that those can be pretty okay. dark and, yeah. and and big and look like you could kind of just peel them off. But uh, you know as far as the moles though grow some of the things you, you look for the A, B, C, D, E and okay. A would be asymmetry and B if the borders are irregular and uh, see. 
What is C? C. Color. Color. Thank you. Yes, the irregular color. Good to have a student with you. (laughs) So, you know, especially the really dark or irregularity of the the color. And the D, I think we're talking diameter there. Um, If it changes. In general, yeah, if it's changing or if it's just plain bigger. So generally kind of say bigger than the end of uh, a pencil, a a pencil eraser. Okay. That that size. Um, And then E. E, is there E, 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 A, B, C, sure. D, E. Rick used to blanking on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was A, B, C, D for a long time, and then yeah. he said, and E, but I don't remember what he said he yeah. was, so uh, none of us do. Good, I feel better if I forget something, but. <laughs> <laughs> Think of it later or as soon right. as the show's done. So melanoma, then, is definitely something to worry about. Yeah, you know, and so if you got a family history of it, that can be a risk factor. Sun exposure through the years is a, is a risk factor. Um, and, uh, and all those moles that you have, um, you know, some of them do have the potential to, to turn into something too. So in, like I said, the, 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 if something's changing, that's, that's the thing to be, to be looking for. Um, and it never hurts to have a skin exam and, you know, and, and, and it's great if you can get in with a dermatologist to have them do a skin exam, but your regular doctor would be happy to do that too. So you don't have to travel a few hours to see a dermatologist or wait several months to see a dermatologist you're welcome to any if you have any questions or want a general look over of your skin your regular doctor could do that too now can they do that in 10 minutes and also manage your diabetes and your hypertension and (laughs) and your osteoporosis and everything else maybe that's a nice thing to say okay you know for this visit i just want a thorough skin exam and that's all I want this visit. And then they'll have the time to do a thorough skin exam for or you. Or else they just will not have scheduled enough time for it right. if you have other problems. Right. Okay. Well, while we, we, you were talking, another question came in and it related to this. This woman called in and she said her daughter is pregnant and due in May. We're very happy for her. But the daughter has developed darker brown patches on her face. Is this common in pregnancy? And will these remain or disappear after her baby is born? Yeah, thankfully it should get better afterwards. Oh, okay, yeah. but it's kind of yeah. sometimes that it can happens? stay some, but yeah. uh, um, uh, it it it's in and of itself it shouldn't be anything to worry about. Um, You're I'm not, not in the OB world as much anymore, okay. but to, from what I remember, it's more of a thing that should get better uh, after pregnancy's done. So you know, how mothers are. If she would just trust whatever her doctor daughter said, her doctor said. But she probably wants to hear your words on it, too. I'm I'm sure the doctor probably said about what you said, right? It should clear up. Okay. I think when you were talking about darker spots, that might have scared her. Tori got our E. Yeah, going back to the E, it's evolving. So that kind of plays into the other ABCDs. So if the color is changing, if the size is changing, if it starts to bleed, itch, any kind of change, you'd probably want to get it checked out. That's evolving. Evolving. Okay, so watch out for those changes. All right. Well, thanks, Tori. It's wonderful to have a student with us. (laughs) Exactly. And it's amazing how they know everything because they have a phone in their hand. (laughs) (laughs) Are you allowed to bring phones into your test? Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. You have to know that stuff. You can't just look it up. But interestingly, um, you know, so it it used to be every seven years. Now they they switch every 10 years, and it varies from specialty how they're going to test us. Um, but, you know, so actually I have to get a 150 hours of continuing medical education every, every I think, three years. That basically does 50 hours um, a year. But plus there's this big test with, I don't know, 200 questions or, or whatever. Um, and 
they've uh, they're they're playing with how they can test us and sometimes they might do it where they send us 25 questions and we only have you know a certain amount of seconds to answer it or but we are allowed to use a resource Certainly. sometimes they're starting to usually they haven't done that but they're starting to consider you know what we want them to be active learners and to know where to look things up to get an accurate result and uh, you know and so we doctors use resources all you the time will. i've got several sure. apps on my phone to look things up and to look medications up and to look dosages up and look adverse effects uh, side effects of medications up and so um you know Im implementing those into the tests they're also considering to say okay this is is part of practicing medicine is knowing where to find the answer because we that can't know everything so that's part of medicine you surprised me when you talked about the testing i knew that doctors were required to take continuing education in this case you're saying maybe 50 hours a year 150 in three years yes. i never knew you got tested on that yeah. all through your medical practice you're still being tested yeah that yeah. surprised me well and throughout throughout medical school there's there's well, medical school, three I big board it. tests right. uh, but I thought uh, once you're a doctor, the tests are over. And wait, these tests are all day long, take eight hours? I don't know, something uh, like that. Yes, there's three of them, and I've only taken two so far. So I still have my last one to go. They are long and grueling. The, in general, uh, we'd say for step one, you study two months for it. The, the step two, the second test, you study two weeks for it. And step three, you bring a, a number two pencil. Because <laughs> there's no way to study for it. It's because it's on everything. Yeah. Oh, it covers it all. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> either know well, it or you don't. <laughs> well, I don't know if others listening are surprised that doctors continue. I knew, I think most people know that continuing education is important in the medical field. But yes. I had no idea you were tested. What if somebody yeah. didn't pass those tests? Does the AMA come after them or what do they do? Yeah, if they want to maintain their board certification, they better get te uh, good, good. They they can actually go to some pretty intensive classes okay. and take the test again. Wow. Oh, very interesting. Well, we are going to, we often take three breaks, and we're going to take that third break now. We appreciate any calls that you have. If you'd like to call us, 692-1430, and we will return right after these words. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged two to five, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here, and uh, we're just down to a few minutes remaining in the program. It has been very enjoyable to have Dr. Andrew Ellsworth with me, as, long, as well as Tori Graham, who is a fourth-year student in med school at USD. So happy to have both of you. We've been talking quite a bit about skin problems and things that go on there, but um, did you have the one thing that we... Uh, are all hearing about all the time now is coronavirus. People are really concerned about it. It's the virus that has come out of China and is 
pandemic now, it's not even, it really is circling the globe. Many people now are key, kind of thinking, should I dare fly? What are airports like? Do I dare get in the airport? What do you think? Well, you know, it is certainly is something we're going to want to keep watching. And I think last I heard, there's maybe about 11 cases in the U.S. now. You know, thankfully, a lot of people are self-quarantining, too. Um, and the, and the, in the U.S., what, for the first time in like 50 years, issued a quarantine. So if someone's traveling out of China, uh, it needs to either stay home or go to a, to a place where they, you know, are going to be wardened off from everyone else to avoid having this spread. But we have to remember that we do have influenza circulating anyway. Um, and this coronavirus is, is kind of spread basically just like any other cold virus because it's kind of in the same family as a lot of as another a cold virus uh, for that causes a common cold, which kind of shows you how easily it can be spread. But in general, what's your best best way to fight this off? Well, getting your rest and taking good care of yourself because that's going to help your immune system and washing your hands to help avoid, avoid uh, uh, spreading infection, avoid touching your mouth and touching your face and, and eyes and, and, and everything, that, that T zone we call it, across the eyes and down your nose and your mouth, which is, which is why y you know, little kids are getting sick all the time with colds and stuff because they're always touching their mouth and, and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, but, uh, and then, and, and you know, and the masks can be helpful too. They're even, they're more helpful for the person that is sick to help avoid spreading it. But it can help avoid taking it too. But, but more important there is the rest and the, and the, and the fluids and, and vitamin C and taking good care of yourself so you have a good immune system to help fight off infection. Do we need to avoid airplanes and flying and people? Well, probably no, not this time anyway. But um, we have to remember that there's always influenza and other things that are also deadly going around. And so doing what we can and getting the flu shot and, uh, and doing what we can to help uh, avoid spreading infection by washing our hands and by covering our mouth and, you know, maybe cough into your elbow instead of your hands because then otherwise you cough into your hands and then you use your hand on the door handle and... And, and you managed to spread it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and Dr. Good. Ellsworth, you told me something interesting yesterday about what seat to sit in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you think about it, if you're everyone wants to sit on the aisle seat, but if you're on the aisle, people are walking by all the time. So you're getting possibly exposed to more, more germs and more people walking around on the airplane than if you're in your uh, window, seat. window seat. Okay. Now, you might still want to stretch your legs out if it's a if it's a long flight so you don't get a blood clot or something but uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> the window seat is an advantage huh? but yeah the I window seat could, could be an advantage as far as uh, uh you know sp spreading germs yeah i really have mm -hmm. always chosen the aisle seat i like to be able to move you right. know just get up and walk around a little bit and if you're especially if there's three across and you're in the window you just feel terrible making those two people right. get up so you can move and Right. It just seemed, but it, if it's for your health, it's probably worth it. It's, so if you get stuck on a window seat, figure you're really not stuck. You lucked out. Right. You're avoiding right. germs. Huh? And and the other thing I'd add about uh, this this show where we've talked about the sun, really when it comes to skin lesions and even age spots and skin cancers, it's the sun that is the big culprit. But it's also good to get some sun to help your mood and get that vitamin D. Uh, and so... Uh, we don't need to completely avoid the sun, but we want to be wise about it.
Right. And I think, uh, you know, this time of year in South Dakota, you're okay walking out in the sun. You're just fine. A lot of people will use some sunscreen, but I don't know that it's even necessary. But just get that fresh sun on your face really makes a difference. You feel better. No one's going to stay out that long because it's too cold to stay out that long, right? Unless you're working outdoors, and then then you really should protect your face. But I think for a five- or ten-minute walk, that refreshing walk it's a good idea just fine yep, get that you. exercise and, yeah. and get get a little bit of a little bit of vitamin d and fresh air is yeah. good for a person too and the vitamin d really does help people doesn't it it's important to us to have it yeah we're still learning more about it we don't you know we we still aren't very completely clear on what levels we should have or shouldn't have and we do know that we have lower levels up here in the northern climate and and it can be associated with b- with various diseases and, and problems, but we don't really have a specific cause between the two. So, so it's wise if you. I think if you're in South Dakota, it's wise to take a vitamin D. Pill. Yeah. You think? Yeah. yeah. Do it's you advise your, that good to Good for your bones too. Yeah, especially as we get older and to help protect our bones and, and everything. Good for that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't believe how quickly this program went. It always surprises me, but it's always fun to have various doctors come and visit us. I hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. As always, you can hear more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you may also learn about the exciting activities of the Healing Words Foundation. My thanks to both Dr. Ellsworth and to Tori Graham for joining me today. And then thanks to all of you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder, stay healthy out there, people.